It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, Joel? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademade Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. Hi guys, Alex here and welcome to episode 154 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. Today I'm joined by pro sports bettors, pro betting partners, Mitch and Tyrus. Welcome to the podcast, fellas. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Alex. Great to have you on. Now, you guys have got an interesting story. Mitch, you approached me about a month or so ago and we've been yeah talking ever since. But um, you guys have got a pretty interesting story about how you guys... Yeah, got involved in the betting space um, and I guess your journey from there to where you guys are today. So maybe start with you, Mitch. Just, uh, yeah, give us a brief summary of how you guys got started in betting, what got your, uh, yeah, what got you interested to begin with and then, yeah, how you got on to where you are today. Yeah, so I guess I'll start with this. So Tyrus and I are both Canadian. I'm from just outside Toronto and Tyrus lives in BC. I've kind of always done unique things and unique ways to make money. I've been in sales. Um, I've kind of done a bit of everything. I've been a volunteer firefighter. I've taught myself how to code. I've ran e-commerce businesses, Amazon FBA. But on the side, I've always been interested in sports betting. And I've kind of used it as a part-time income while I was doing those other things. And then I had heard a group from Vegas called ProBet which has Harut and Drew in it, um, on this podcast, actually. And then from there, I had reached out to them, and I did some work for them for free. And then from there, I was I started just kind of with doing their accounting and whatnot, and then I ended up being their full-time trader, moved out to Vegas, didn't really love it there, L- living there. Like, I've been there a bunch of times, like probably over t- 10, 12 times, but just for weekends and a few days and whatnot, um, living there is a whole different thing. So they wanted a full-time trader that was there, um, living there, and it wasn't really for me, so I came back to Canada. Tyrus was also working for ProBet at the time, and he kind of left them at a similar time that I did, and then Tyrus and I kind of joined up, and here we are today. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, so you're referring to Haru and Drew, who, yeah, we've had, I've had both of them on the podcast together, but Haru's, you know, I've done live streams, individual podcasts with him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Haru's pretty well known out there at the moment in the betting space. So, was it, Tyrus, was it kind of always your plan for you and Mitch to, I guess, do some kind of tuition under Haru and Drew and then, yeah, go from there and go out by yourself? Or was this kind of just, how you yeah how how it ended up being uh no it wasn't really a plan i mean me and mitch being in canada it's like it was a little bit harder for us to work for them since they're based in the u.s and uh, i mean both me and him we really learned a lot working for them but i wouldn't say it's it was definitely wasn't a plan just to you know work for them and then and then go from there but once it uh, once it kind of happened, once we both left, that's the name of the game in this business. You kind of have to just roll with the punches and and make adjustments on the fly, really. So uh, I think he reached out to me, or I reached out to him, and you know we both thought the other person was pretty sharp and knew what they were doing, and uh, yeah, we decided to team up and really just give it a go. Yeah. So. When you, I guess, when you started, Mitch, was it very much like you had zero sports betting knowledge? Like if you had to rate yourself from one to 10, um, how like advanced would you say were you in terms of being a, a plus EV gambler? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I would say yeah, they definitely taught me some things. I would say maybe like a seven or an eight. I was already oh, kind yeah. of, I think, on the path to doing this as a full-time income. Um, they did obviously teach me some things and, you know, I learned quite a bit with them, but I was already doing this, making like a part-time income before I started with them full-time. So yeah, it was, I was kind of already heading in that direction. And at the same time too, like anyone, anyone could have reached out to them, right? Like I just messaged her on Twitter. Um, 
everyone was given the same thing. Like we weren't gifted anything. It was just, we put in hard work. We built those relationships. Mainly this is a relationship game. I would say like, just like Spanky always says, it's like a handshake business, even though a lot of it is like through just computers and, you know, telegram chats and stuff like that. But it really is just like a relationship game and relationship building. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I've been, I was already like heavily involved in sports betting. Um, but yeah. that kind of just working for them kind of just cemented, okay, this is like how you can make a living off of this. And yeah, now it's Tyrus and I, both of our full-time income is through sports betting. Yeah. And for you, Tyrus, were you the same about a seven or an eight out of 10 or where would you rate yourself, mate? Uh, yeah. So for me, I really came up in this business basically with accounts. So that's what I had was a lot of credit accounts, you know, I had a few bookmakers on my side and kind of paid them off a percentage of the winnings and I would get a bunch of accounts that way. So when you have a bunch of accounts, it's kind of like, you know, dropping a, a buckle of chum in the middle of a bunch of sharks. You can kind of get to know <laughs> whoever you want, really. So yeah. I gave some accounts to, to Harut and Drew and, and from there I started learning a lot actually. So to answer your question, I would say maybe honestly a five or a six, uh, the whole yeah. top-down approach. Well, I wasn't really understanding it much, you know. I'd kind of downloaded Dom Best on my laptop a few times and just kind of watched. And but no, I I had no, I didn't really have an idea of of what it took or or how big of an operation it really is. Mm. And, and and so were you both? We can start with Mitch on this one, but were you? Yeah, what what approach were you guys taking to your sports betting at that time? Were you, you know, you say you're about a seven or an eight out of ten. Were you, yeah, were you focusing on handicapping sports yourself, you know, bottom up, or were you very much top down like you guys are mostly today, um, and following kind of that style that Haru and Drew go with? Yeah, yeah, I would say. Back then I was more like I tried to build some models and stuff in Google Sheets and just some basic things. Um, they were like, okay, they weren't great. The thing with models though is, you know, it could win one year, like it could win for a season and then, okay, you think you have a winning model, but then the next season comes and it's suddenly losing, right? Um, and then it's like, okay, where did it go wrong? Is there something I need to fix? Was the model, like, was the model never even like a winning model? Like you have to do a lot of back testing, things like that. Um, so mainly like before I kind of started doing the top down approach, I was more doing, I guess, derivative markets, like player props, like first halves, things like that, which I know are beatable, like an easy way to kind of see if a market is beatable. is just like, okay, what are they taking? Like, are they taking big limits on this? If they're take if the market's pretty liquid, then you can be pretty sure. Like it's a pretty strong number player props, pretty easy to beat for the most part. Um, so I was kind of focusing my attention more on that, like player player props, derivatives, um, some sides and totals, but not for like major sports, maybe like some WNBA, things like that. But now for the most part, I would say now it's, we still deal with that kind of stuff, like player props. We work with some of the best people in the world, I'd say, when it comes to like the prop markets and things like that. And like we have soccer originators um, and originators for most sports. <clears throat> But for us, it's more about just finding those guys like the modelers um, and just having them kind of build the models and we we fund them or we work together in some way. And for Tyrus and I, it's just about getting the best number, playing the market, know, knowing when it, it's a good time to attack the market and where. And uh, yeah, now for us, it's just all about getting the best price and beating the closing line, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people... Also, people that like chase steam and, and have a top-down approach, they get a really bad rep in this business from a lot of people, uh, from the from the originators, really. But the fact of the matter is the modelers need us, and, and we need the modelers. You know, we need we need the market makers so that we can see the moves in the morning and, and throughout the day. And the, the modelers need us because it's really hard to get money down in this business once you are trying to scale. So... If they can reach out to somebody like us or whatever, another group who's pretty big, we can get the money down without disturbing the market, without ruining the price. And 
they're happy, they get a piece, we're happy, we get, you know, some of the best information in the world. And it's kind of a, a win-win for both parties. Whereas if you just if you just strictly build a model, you know, a lot of people will say the top-down approach, it, it takes a lot more of your day up, a lot more of your day, like you're kind of just sitting in, the, in front of the computer. But if you're building a model, you know, I would argue that it almost takes longer because First of all, if, if you're if you're building a model for more than one sport, it's almost impossible to win. And mm-hmm. Like there's very few people that do that. And second of all, you know, if you're building a model for the NFL, just for instance, for next year, you should have started three months ago, really. So you have to be so ahead of the curve with that. Whereas with a top-down approach, it's you know we kind of just see everything and essentially. You know, we can bet whatever. We don't even have to know the players' names or, or stats or anything like that. Yeah. Um, building those relationships, what's that been like for you, Mitch? Because, yeah, like you guys have mentioned, you haven't been in the sports betting business for too long. Um, you know, you haven't got the, the the names of a Spanky or, you know, all the guys you've worked with before, Haru and Drew. What's it What's it been like reaching out to people? Uh, I don't know if that's what you do, or just yeah, getting to know certain people in the industry and trying to yeah build trust, build relationships, and um and, yeah, to to I get because you said at the start. I mean, you think relationships is one of the most important things in sports betting. So yeah, how's that how's that process been for you guys? Yeah, I'd say it's been pretty good. Um. You know, we've reached out. We're always looking to work with more people. Like we're always look, like always attacking, trying to get more accounts, build new relationships, things like that. Obviously, what comes with working with a company like ProBet is we made some relationships there. And like for myself, like I said, I lived in Vegas uh, for a bit as well when I worked for them. So you know, I've met some people face to face, which helps. I've been to Bet Bash, which is the event that Spanky puts on. I you know shook some hands there, met some people. And I think that always helps, right? Especially everyone's just behind a computer screen. So when you can meet them face to face and they're like, okay, this this is a normal person that I'm talking to. It's not just like their username or whatever, right? So I think that helped. Um, so yeah, it's been okay. Also, I've had other businesses in the past. So I kind of know what it takes to build those relationships and keep them and maintain, you know, maintain a good relationship. Um, but yeah, I would say everyone that we work with is more than happy, and it's just it's just taking that first step with people because a lot of people are hesitant, right? Because you know it's the sports like sports betting industry; people have been burned in the past and whatnot, and they're afraid it's going to happen again. So it does help that Tyrus and I do have like some pull, like working for a bigger company in the past, and you know now that we've built a few or like a good amount of major relationships. Um, if people need a reference or something like that, we can just say, Hey, this is who we work with. Like, here's a list of everyone we work with. Like we're reputable. We know what we're doing. Um, so yeah, it's been okay. Obviously we're always looking to build more relationships and whatnot, but yeah, so far I'd say it's been good. And summing, I guess summing up your whole time with Haru and Drew Tyrus, would you, would you recommend people? Like if someone came up to you and said, yeah, I'm thinking of, sending Haru a message, let's just say, or sending anyone a message that's uh, looking for a trader or something like that. Um, do you think it's uh, a good a good uh, way to, you know, develop as a sports better? Or do you think there are potentially other ways, like, you know, educating yourself and going out by yourself to start with? Maybe some people will join a bookmaker and, and work for a bookmaker for a bit to kind of see what the other side of the fence is like. Would you, yeah, I guess, would you recommend joining a group or, a, or some kind of syndicate to start with? Uh, if you can, yeah. I mean, I will say that, like, ProBet was really good when I, because when I first gave them accounts, you know, I was always, I was, I was very curious about this and doing this for myself for a living. So I was always reaching out to them, asking questions and, and bothering them about, about a bunch of different stuff just so I could learn. Right. So if you're curious about something, I know Haru says it all the time, but if you're curious about it, you should definitely pursue it and and reach out to somebody that's pretty high up because you never know where it can go. You know, when I, when I, uh, reached out to Haru, it was kind of, you know, I was kind of hesitant to send a message because you don't want to, you don't want to hear the word no, right? 
but at the end of the day you know if you don't take the shot you, you'll never know if you can succeed really so yeah i mean reach out if you're curious about this reach out to us or or someone else that you'd like to work with really and and uh the worst thing they can say is no not right now but a lot of the time you'll actually find like just as eager as you are to learn they're eager to hire they're eager for new talent right they're you know mm. in this business you know it's never enough money they're always looking for more people to make them money and so are we we're always looking for people to make us money and and if somebody's passionate about about this or or they just want to see what it is really um you know we're more than happy even we've had guys reach out and just have them on like a saturday morning call just so they can see what it is and, and how fast paced it is and and what we're talking about and the language you use and and when partners send us messages what we have to do and and all that so we're you know we're always happy to help people and uh, a lot of other people in this industry are as well yeah no i mean it's one of those industries too where i mean you guys both talked about um i guess getting started with haru and drew and the fact that you guys have you know gone from that to becoming professionals by yourself it's one of those funny industries where i feel like once you once you get involved that you kind of never leave and i know for myself like i if i went and tried to get a, another job now i'd just be i feel like i'd get rejected everywhere because all i've done for the past like four or five years is just sports betting so i'd probably yeah, be exactly. no chance getting some kind of job anywhere else even though i've got a couple of degrees i've probably uh, i'd probably really struggled to uh to get another job so it's a funny little uh uh, it's 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 weird also in the sense that everything's online too so it's yeah it's a yeah. weird little community and i would say like probably out of all the kind of online communities in the world i feel like this is the most um i guess probably one of the more tight-knit online communities because everyone knows that this is kind of the only way to get to know people from you know surrounding you i mean i i don't work with anyone in the sports betting arena that's that's anywhere near where I live. Like <laughs> the closest place would probably be like, yeah, somewhere in the US or the UK. So yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny old community. So um how's it how's it has it been for you guys working together? Because I assume you guys have never worked together, you know, previous to joining up in the last year or so, however long it's been. Um I asked Drew and Haru kind of similar questions. Has it been difficult at times? There have been some feisty arguments between you two about decisions you're making or uh, mistakes you've made, et cetera, et cetera. What's it, Mitch, for you? What's it been like? Um, we'll start a little therapy session here. How's it been for you, mate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, no no complaints here. It's all good. I mean, Tyrus and I are both pretty laid back. I mean, we're both Canadian, right? So we don't really get mad. First of all, we saying sorry for that, <laughs> but uh, but no, just in all seriousness, yeah, it's been good. I mean, it works out actually kind of well because, like I said, I live just outside Toronto, and then Tyrus lives in BC, so the difference in time there. So like, I'll usually get on and handle. Like, we're usually working both of us like as much as we can, but for the most part, I'll get on and handle the morning, the morning moves, and then he'll get on like a little bit later. You know when he wakes up because there's about a three-hour difference there um so it, it's worked out well i guess when we started it was just kind of seeing okay how much should we be betting like what should our unit size like be um you know we tr we try to keep everything kind of the same but obviously if there's a bigger edge we're gonna try to exploit it like we want as much down on a bigger edge as possible right so we don't necessarily believe every like everything should be like the same the same unit sizing i guess but um if there's a big edge there we're gonna take it and uh yeah no i mean back to the question i don't have any complaints it's it's been all good on my end and uh yeah it's just kind of i guess we've pretty much talked every day since we started this up just through telegram or whatever it is so um yeah man it's been good it's been good and for yeah, you, Thomas, you got to you got to give me some. Yeah, you, 
you got to give me something, something, anything that you guys like. Is there a common? Um, it doesn't even have to be a disagreement or like a contentious talking point between the two of you, where um, it's just something you've had to discuss multiple times, or yeah, just anything that would um, potentially maybe some other people that aren't as laid back uh, attest a relationship. Yeah, I would say like if there's anything we, I mean, we've never like yelled at each other or anything like that in a bad way but uh maybe just like when we first started because mitch mitch worked for probat longer than i did right so he was used to just seeing tons and tons of money come in and out every single day like ridiculous amounts for an average person just to see and i hadn't you know i'd been sports betting for a, a little bit but i was always taught like or I'd, not taught, but I always heard, you know, don't risk more than 5% of your bankroll a day and, and whatever else. And, and when we first started, you know, I look at the sheet and, and Mitch has like our whole bankroll risk on like 50 different plays, which is ideal. Actually, that's what you want. But I didn't understand that. So I would be like, why do we have so much on this? Why do we have so much on that? And then I go look at, you know, where the market is and realize that's what we were that's what we're supposed to be doing you know that's what that's that's how you grow that's how you make more money is by smashing the bigger edges for more you know uh for both of us just a quick side note i would say you know we're both pretty lucky with our our living situations and uh conditions you know we're both pretty young i'm 21 mitch is well almost 30. he's got a little a, a bit of years on me but you know our families are both backing us in this like emotionally not financially at all yeah. we're we're both we're both uh 100 just uh in it with our own money but you know they're giving us a a deal they're giving my my parents are giving me a bit of a deal on rent just while i get my business you know growing and and just uh, the support too right i guess yeah, the support exactly. from the family like no one understands like no one understands no. The sport like sports betting man like you try to talk to people you're like oh i'm a pro sports better this is what i do they're like well that doesn't that doesn't sound right or something you know what i mean they're like that sounds kind of shady i'm like no like it's legit yeah, like I I just, the easiest way to sum it up to people is just to i just tell them like just think like day trading stocks but it's sports teams essentially that's like that's yeah. like the easiest way to kind of get people to be like oh okay so instead of them understanding it like zero percent, they understand it like one percent. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think to what to what Tyrus is saying, it's just like the emotional support just from our families. I think a lot of people would be kind of just be like, "What are you doing?" or something. I mean, for my my for example, my dad's always been into sports betting and whatnot, and he kind of got me looking into it at a younger age as well. Like, just piqued my interest, and then. Um, so he already knew, like he and like my family members already knew that I was working for ProBet, obviously. So they saw, okay, this is something that can work. Like this is something that people can make a full time living from. Um, and then when I moved to Vegas, it just became even more real. They're like, okay, this is actually like tangible. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's nice to have that emotional backing from you know the people that are around us. Some of my friends are still trying to to understand it. I don't know yeah. if they really ever fully will, but I think almost everyone that bets on sports can relate to that. So, yeah, I mean that's that's one of the honestly, it's the worst part about being a professional yeah. sports better is just when people ask you what you do. I have that like zero point five second moment where I'm like, ah, who, what am I going to tell this person? I'm going to tell them what I actually do or what I was doing a couple of years ago. I never know what to, I try and judge the person and whether I can be stuffed explaining what I do. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's good that you guys have got support from your family. I only told my, my old man exactly what I do about a month ago and I've been doing it for years. <laughs> he just, uh, he was never really that interested. So um, no, it's good. It's, it's always good to have that emotional support. It's, it's, sometimes it's good to have that interest too, that people are, actually ask you, you know, more than one or two questions and really want to understand what you're doing because um, it, it can be a pretty lonely, you know, job <laughs> at times. Yeah. So when, I guess people, when people ask more than one question, I'm honestly surprised at this point because usually yeah. it's just like, what do you do? 
oh, I do this, and then maybe one follow-up question, and then they kind of just either don't understand it or lose interest or something. Yeah. So, I mean, I love to talk. I love to talk sports betting. So, I mean, anyone that's listening to this, feel free. <laughs> you can always <laughs> yeah. you can always contact Tyrus or, or myself. I mean, I'm always down to talk sports betting, handicapping, anything related, anything related to, to markets just in general. So, uh, I mean, I love this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just the one question is just always who's going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what you get. So <laughs> go, go to the doctor, the dentist. It's like, oh, what do you do? You tell them, it's, well, who's going to win the Super Bowl? You know, <laughs> every time. So. Yeah, I reckon uh, the market would be follow-up questions would be over or under one and a half. I reckon that would be the efficient kind of market yeah. price, something like that. Um, yeah. So, and I feel like if you go over one and a half, it could potentially go to like ten or twelve. But if it's you know, if it's under, it's under. It never. <laughs> it's either it's either lots or, or nothing at all, basically. Um, and, and you guys, in terms of like building your bankroll, you guys mentioned a little bit before about staking and having like your whole bankroll on on certain on certain days down. Do you? How have you guys worked that out? Because you probably both got different overall net worths um you're kind of combining to to have a have your own bankroll together what's that what's that been like is someone been bringing in more you know to start off with than the other how have you kind of worked that out together because that's probably like a, a pretty you know contentious talking point to be a pretty important topic to start with mm -hmm. i guess i'll take that one um yeah so when we started it was literally like we were just trying to turn over the whole bankroll pretty much every day, right? Just trying to get it in play on, on anything that was plus EV and just kind of making it work for us every day, just making the money work, work, work. And so when we started, um, I was in a bit of a better financial situation, I'd say, than Tyrus. Just obviously I'm a bit older than him. So there's that. You know, I've been working um, for ProBed and just doing other side businesses and whatnot for a longer period of time. So I had, I had more, I guess, capital at that time. So what him and I decided was, you know, I just funded a lot of the app accounts. So like, you know, your bet three, six, five, your fan duels, things like that. Um, and then we just said, Hey, like we're both, we're both in this together, like 50, 50. So even though I funded some of them, we still just kind of split all the profits. We split all the losses. Um, and then we just kind of built it up together. Now at this point, it's we've done okay and we've built it to a point like we're trying to get as much of our bankroll in play as possible now now it's tough i mean unless it's like a saturday i guess saturdays are pretty good like we're yeah. just pretty much shoving all in like just in plus ev spots because there's so many of them right and especially once once college basketball starts and whatnot um but yeah that's kind of how we worked it and now yeah it's always just been a 50 50 split and you know we increased kind of what we were betting as time went on luckily we found some really good plus ev spots like throughout the summer and whatnot that really helped us grow and you know now we've built a bankroll that's over six figures and you know we're able to to use that to our advantage and just it's just all about turning over the money like every yeah. like every day as much as you can as long like obviously on smart plays right plus ev plays mm. but yeah that's uh that's the name of the game so yeah no, no it's it's the it's the way to do it especially when you're getting started you want to get as obviously you want to be making plus ev bets at the same time but it is just so important to get as much money down as, as possible because once you get to that point of having a six-figure bankroll or bigger than that, like it gets to the point where you can't even stake your max bet anymore or what your max bet yeah. should be. And that's kind of where you want to get to, isn't it? You want to get to the point where you can don't have to worry too much about growing your bankroll overall and then everything that you make, you can you can almost pay yourself. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a hard thing for a lot of sports bettors when they get started. So, Tyrus, have you guys kind of worked out a way to being this like your full-time job how do you guys work out paying yourself and then at the same time reinvesting uh back into into your bankroll so that one day you kind of don't even have to worry about that anymore yeah so for me i mean i you know we both started with like well at least me i started with like 
100% on my net worth straight into the business. And uh, I believed in it because I had seen Mitch trade with ProBet and everything. And, and I was, I'm very passionate about it. We both are. But uh, now, I mean, I probably still have about 95% of my net worth in the bankroll, you know, growing it. Like I mentioned, I have a, you know, I live with my parents still. I just pay them a bit for rent. And uh, that allows me to just kind of try and help grow this business as much as possible. So for paying myself, I mean, yeah, like take out a bit here and there, like maybe to go on like a day trip or, or out for dinner or something like that, just have some spending money. But most of it's just being turned over every single day in, in you know, plus EV spots on, on stuff that has an edge just so, just so we can scale this as quick as possible. Because obviously the goal is, is uh, you know, to, to build a pretty big group and, you know, something that's pretty powerful. So, I mean, yeah, for me, and I think for Mitch too, like paying ourselves, it's a, it's obviously important. Like we got stuff to pay for, but at the same time, it's just as important just to leave it in and let it grow over yeah. time. Yeah, I would say for the most part, paying ourselves kind of comes last. Um, yeah, I think Tyrus and I are pretty much on the same page where we're both all about just working like as hard as we can right now and just kind of being in a very stable place in like 10 years from now type thing. Like, although sports betting is our main income, we also have other passions, right? We're like, both of us are very entrepreneurial, um, you know, whether it's real estate, crypto, NFTs, um, all that stuff, just anything really like just different business ideas and stuff. We're always open to, to new things. So, I mean, obviously the sports betting is the main thing, but I think both of us are just thinking like, okay, we'll put in as much as we can. Um, we'll go all in on kind of a few different things over the next five, 10 years and just be in a more and like a very comfortable financial place um, in the yeah. future. So yeah, paying ourselves kind of comes last. Like we're just kind of just looking for ways just to deploy the money to have it work for us. Yeah. And have you guys found that emotionally to have, you know, days where your whole bank rolls on the line um, you know, you'd have to be terribly unlucky, but there's potential that you could lose every single bet that you place on a day where you've got your whole bankroll on the line. But I mean, these are kind of some of the risks that you have to take to to grow your bankroll and to to succeed in the business. So, what's that been like for you, Taurus, Having yeah, days where the whole bankroll's on the line, and maybe you've had some some huge swings go the wrong way and and lost and lost a lot of your bankroll in one day what's that yeah what's that like especially for you guys because you're like you said you're not taking much money out to pay yourself so if you have a really bad day that's another day or week or month that you've got to wait until you can pay yourself again yeah i mean there's definitely been day like not so much anymore now, but when we first started, you know, on like Saturdays and stuff, I'd be pretty nervous because like before this, I came from a job, you know, I was a carpenter and it really wasn't what I was passionate about. So I was like, oh man, like if we, if we just hit a terrible patch of variance and I got to go back <laughs> to building houses, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? So back then, it, yeah, I was pretty nervous, but now, I mean, we work with some of the best, like we work with such high level people now and the information that we get, I'm, I'm more than comfortable having our whole bankroll, you know, deployed across hundreds of bets and, and just, that's basically what happens at this point. I mean, on Saturdays, like we're on the, you know, on the edge of our seats waiting for these morning games to grade just so we can, we can start betting again. Like it's a <laughs> yeah, it's constantly so a struggle true. to get down on these, and especially with these uh, these accounts, like these bet three six fives and these you know these other rinky dink sites that just limit you to two dollars and fifty cents or whatever, right? So having credit accounts and and uh, kind of different, it goes back to to networking and knowing people, but having people that can get down for you, you know, to to help you out and help you scale. But yeah, no, I'm I'm totally comfortable having 
or bankroll deployed if it's uh, assuming it's all stuff with an edge. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's talk a little bit about your guys' approach. So as we mentioned before, top-down approach, market-driven approach, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've talked to multiple people on the podcast. I'm thinking of, you know, Haru, Drew, obviously, Shane Sigsby, Spanky, these guys that, that have, you know, become experts at that approach and it's the same approach you guys are taking is it it kind of it seems like kind of a consensus that there's no like there's not really a handbook on how to become good at this kind of stuff it's kind of it seems to me from what i get is that it's just hours and hours in front of the screen and seeing what's seeing what the numbers are doing and becoming an expert at predicting where the numbers number is going to go essentially so um would you agree with that mitch yeah yeah i'd say so it really is just hours in front of the screen honestly like tyrus was saying earlier um about him downloading don best i did the same thing like before i started to work for a bigger group and i had downloaded don best and i'm like what what is this like just looking it's just like the software looks like it's old it looks like it's crappy like how do you even use this thing right and then you kind of get used to it um and then it just becomes like second nature like you just know like okay if the, if if this book is moving a certain way on a certain sport then it's like a key indicator for us we kind of know like what books are sharper for depending on the mark depending on the sport um and then also it, it's going to depend to like how much how much is that book taking right if the book is, if the market isn't liquid and say the sports book is only taking like a couple hundred bucks or something, then if it moves, we could really care less. So sometimes it's just digging deeper and seeing like, okay, like what are, like, is this market even liquid at this point? Like, what are they taking? And is this number sharp? And then just over time, you kind of just get a feel for that. You kind of get a feel for like, okay, is this a fake? Like, is someone just faking the market? Because it is like, $100 or $200 and it's moving the whole screen and they're just faking it up so they can actually bet the the right side, which is the under. Um, is it something like that or is this a legitimate move? And, you know, it really is just hours in front of the screen, I would say. I've probably looked at Don Best or some sort of odd screen every day for the past at least year. I don't think I've had a day where I haven't looked at the screen, to be honest. So <laughs> it really is just... It's just time and uh, it's just a skill that you kind of build. Like there really is, like you were saying, there is no handbook at all. Like when I first downloaded Don Best, I think I sent them an email and I don't even know if they ever responded to me, to be honest. So maybe this isn't the best plug for Don Best, but I mean, it, their software does work on some levels. It's not the only thing that we use, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, it is just kind of hours and just hours and hours in front of the screen and just getting used to the things that you know you can pick up on and just kind of identifying those like indicators and whatnot yeah taurus do you mind shedding a bit of light on exactly what tools you guys have like in front of you right now when you're going to work like how many screens are we talking you always like you said you've got a don best screen up or for those who don't know you know some kind of comparison place where you can see all the odds on a particular game um how many computers do you like all this just kind of give us an idea of the exact tools you guys are using yeah i mean we have lots of i mean as many windows as we can possibly flip on as many <laughs> windows as we can possibly fit on however many screens you know making it the smallest the making the font the smallest so that we can see every possible game and and get as many moves as possible but uh yeah i mean we use dom best uh obviously spanky's new product spank odds is good uh we have that up his injury alerts are, are good they're really good so that dom best and uh sometimes a couple other things but but mainly those are the main two i mean i would say in terms of in terms of screens and computers just you want to be able to see you know as much as possible so whether that's two big screens or i think mitch has six screens you know i have three now so it's uh it's really just personal preference and and uh it's up to you 
Not much. Just one thing I'll add there too. Obviously, we have all the messenger apps open, like Telegram yeah. and stuff like that. But a big one too, like just outside of odd screens, is TweetDeck. So anyone that's not that obviously everyone in the sports betting world, for the most part, I, I would think, is using Twitter for information and whatnot. So TweetDeck is a really good one. You can set up lists and things like that just to monitor injuries and stuff like that. So I, I always have that open as well, just to kind of see if there's any news or something that comes out. Yeah, I, well, I was just at a, a bookmaker called Top Sport here here on the Gold Coast, and it, they're, they're like a, I guess, not as pie slim as this pinnacle, but pretty close to it. They're, they're reasonably sharp. And I remember seeing all these guys on the screen having all this Twitter stuff up, but it was like formatted in a really easy way to see everything. Is that mm-hmm. TweetDeck? Yeah, I would yeah. think so, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I would look into that. It's really easy. Like if you have a Twitter account, you literally just link like link up your account and you can just start building lists. Like for example, I have a list for like NHL, NFL, yeah. NBA, like everything, right? And then it's just kind of formatted in a way that you can see if there's someone that makes a tweet um, for a specific sport that you're like interested in. So like, I don't know, just anyone that, you know, that might like a, like a writer for a team or something like that, right? Someone that might be first mm-hmm. to break news on an injury or something, or, hey, this guy's not practicing. Um, then if it's for, like, the NFL, for example, you'd see it under that column, and then you can kind of look at that information and do what you want with it. If you think it's useful, you can maybe make a move on it um, or just analyze it or whatever you need to do. Yeah, awesome stuff. And, Mitch, do, do you guys each have different skills in different sports or markets, or is it kind of you're both – good at everything or like you know whatever you know what i mean like is is, is a certain one of you who's good at american football um you know someone that's good at soccer someone that's good at you know you know what i mean so is there anyone yeah what do you guys how do you guys divvy up your skills in a way mm-hmm. yeah um i would say to be honest i don't i don't really care about the games at all like i obviously care about making money but i don't care about the players or anything like that like spanky always says that he can't name like two players or something like that i know a bit more players than him it sounds like but for the (laughs) most part if there's like an nba injury or someone's like sitting resting a night or something like that in the nba that's more on tires like i'll look and kind of see like okay what is this guy worth to the line what is he worth to the total if he sits if he scratch um if he doesn't go and I would say, so I would say Tyrus is good at, you know, this guy's worth this, you know, this guy's worth that. Um, when it comes to trading, I've, I've been, like, I've been doing a top down approach for a longer period of time than Tyrus. So I think I'm pretty comfortable there. He's also very good at it. Um, I don't know if Tyrus, what do you think? I would say, uh, yeah, like Mitch is honestly, like one, obviously one of the best traders that I've seen. And I'm not quite as good as him just because he's been doing it for longer. And like we said before, it takes hours and hours and days, years really, to to know, you know, what's a fake and what's not. But, uh, yeah, NBA, maybe some MLB and maybe NHL. If I see a goalie in the, in the NHL that's got ruled out or especially NBA, like with the NBA, it's so profitable so profitable because of uh injury news right like an hour mm-hmm. two hours before the games you know all, all of a sudden we get hit with this big list of of players that are questionable and and we're just kind of anxiously waiting on the news so you got to know some of the stuff for that like there's and there's various situations too you know there's uh you could see like obviously look lebron james is out and that's going to move the line massively and like it's going to move it to unders and the other team are obviously going to be the play but then if somebody like rudy gobert or a defensive player is out then you got to hit the overs you know and it's not it's not always okay well this player is out for this team and he's a star player so let's hit the unders it's like it, it helps to know the roles in the game and kind of how they're going to affect the line obviously but uh as far as i would just say you know when when something comes in from a partner that we work with and we need to get down i would say i'm pretty good at that like knowing where to go to get certain amounts on games that aren't going to move the market because that's really what it's about you know you don't want to 
get this information from guys that are trying to bet millions and millions of dollars on this stuff and then go hit the wrong place and and destroy the number for a thousand dollars or something right so yep. you're never going to get the information again if you do that so yeah it just it all comes with time like we said before you um you get to know where to where to hit and uh what to look for essentially and and how do you know how much someone is worth you mentioned a lebron james um do you have like a you know is is it in your head how much you think a certain player is worth or do you also try and you know think about the last time lebron didn't play how much did the line move you know did it move a couple points did it move 10 points but i trust me i know nothing about basketball so it could be sounding like an absolute idiot so yeah it is a does yeah how do you try and remember or try and predict how much a player is worth uh yeah so some of it's just in your head you know like the lebron james and the other massive star players the league kind of if they get ruled out you kind of have a general consensus of how much they're worth but we actually get sent numbers from a guy uh there's an account on twitter everybody who bets professionally knows it um they send out like a, a big list around noon pacific of who's questionable who's doubtful all this and that so then off of that uh, we have a guy who it's just a math-based model where he sends us the exact numbers that all these guys are worth. So if we see so-and-so's out or playing, then we'll, we know, okay, well, the line already moved a half point, but this guy's worth three points, so there's still value there and we can keep betting it. You know, it's, uh, so yeah, it's, it, it's both really, you kind of just take mental notes. Like if John Morant gets ruled out and you see the line it could go all the way up to maybe four or five points some nights, depending on who they're playing. You see the line move that much. Then the next time he's questionable, because it's the NBA, everybody's questionable every day, it seems. Uh, you know, you can keep in mind how much it moved the night before or last week or whatever. Yeah. And, and are you guys recording, you know, essentially what you guys are doing is predicting where a line's going to go, you know, whether it's injury news or not. Do you, as, are you guys keeping this kind of all in your head or is there, like for you, Mitch, you, you know, maybe recording this on a spreadsheet somewhere or, you know, something so that I've got a terrible memory myself. So I feel like I would have to write all this stuff down. So what do you guys do to kind of, yeah, make sure that if you see X bookmaker moving next time that you know it's a fake or you know it's it's good to go and that line's going to come in? Yeah. Man, when I started, no no lie, I literally had a Google Doc filled with, like, pages of just, like, okay, this means this, this is that <laughs> type thing when I was when I was still getting used to it, right? Now I don't – now it's just kind of all just, yeah. like, memory and whatnot and just, okay, this means that. Like, now I just know. But when I was starting, it was writing all that down. Um, I know there's still some pros and stuff that still write down moves and whatnot. I mean, maybe it could be useful, but – from what we've seen, like just doing what we're doing is working. Um, I feel like I we both have a pretty good idea of the market at this point. Every obviously it's a market, right? Things are changing every day. Um, but until we see, okay, we're getting resistance, like we're not beating the close or something like that. I you know I trust I trust our process, but I would say yeah, if anyone's starting out or something like that, then they should be probably taking notes. Like, okay, this means that, and it closed here, or this did that, and it closed here. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I'd say on that. Also, yeah. also, too, also, too, I'll add on that last point from Tyrus. He was just talking about the NBA injuries and whatnot. Sometimes it's just obvious, right? Like, I know LeBron maybe isn't as good anymore, but if he was ever, like, over, like, the last decade or whatever, if he's suddenly out, the line's going to move, like, so you're going to yeah, want to pick cool. up some of that number before it moves. So sometimes it's just obvious too. Sometimes it's like, you know, if LeBron's out, you're betting the other team and you're betting the under for the most part, in most cases, yeah. unless there's maybe another guy on the other team um, who's who's questionable or who's going out at like the exact same time or something like that. But yeah. And another thing, I mean, we don't like, it's not like, you know, we have a, a graph that we're tracking all these line movements over time like we're we're not really doing anything like that it's all 
kind of just mental, but I think something that we're good at uh, noticing is like whatever, if two teams are playing each other one night in hockey or something, and in the morning we just see like the overs get smashed to pieces, like we see that one day, okay, then they play again, we see that again, then the third time that they, they're playing and they match up, we're already going on the overs that as soon as the numbers, as soon as the lines come up, because chances are, you know, the originators and the market makers, they're not going to all of a sudden like the, like the unders and just completely do a, a 180, right? So that's something that we're good at noticing and uh, it can only help us, really. Yeah, and and I assume you guys are just using kind of closing lines at various sports books to kind of evaluate if what you're doing is right. Is there any other anything outside of that, Mitch, that you guys are looking at and thinking, oh, this didn't happen or that didn't happen, um, to evaluate whether your you know your your plays are going to be plus EV long term? Yeah, I'd say may- mainly it's just the closing line. To be honest, like. We believe in like the efficient market hypothesis, so we just assume like as long as it's a liquid market, of course, we assume all the information's baked in, unless there's a last minute injury or something. For the most part, everything's baked in, um, and everything's kind of where it should be if the market market's liquid. So yeah, usually we're just looking at the closing line. I guess the only thing that would oppose that is if there is one, two sports books that we think are sharp in a particular sport. And they close and like opposite each other or like far away from each other. You know what I mean? Then it's like, okay, let's dig into this. Who's actually the sharp sports book here? Like what happened? Is this a, is this a constant thing? Is this just like randomness? Did someone just like shatter circa like right at the end or something like right close to to post, like what's going on? Um, That would really be the only time where we might just dig deeper. But I would say, yeah, for the most part, Different sports, we value the closing line more at different books, different sports books. Um, and then some some markets will just kind of blend a, blend a few sports books together and kind of just get like a consensus close and be like, okay, are we beating this? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. And um, just kind of work from there. Is there a is it i sh- i know that it's different between each sport but could you guys shed a bit of light on you know what closing lines are the ones you want to be there beat out there for particular sports okay if you don't want to share that because i know it's kind of important for you guys to keep some information to yourselves but if you feel like it you know we've got the likes of Beck, chris pinnacle um circa all these guys is there you know do you guys mind shedding a couple in particular for each sport that you know that you you kind of have to be beating in terms of like being the sharpest bookmaker out there? Yeah, I mean, just you go ahead, Tyrus. It's uh, it, like it's no secret, really. Just go to the sports book, you know, click max bet on all of them and see how much they're taking, and whatever one is taking the most, that's generally the one that you want to beat, right? Like okay. for for the EPL, just for example, you know. If you go to Pinnacle, some of this stuff they're taking whatever half million dollars or more. If you go to a different book, it could also be like a, a pretty sharp book, like a bookmaker or a circa. You know, they might only take ten thousand dollars. So, obviously, in that case, you would want to beat the Pinnacle closing line because, in theory, if they're taking that much, it's it's probably a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that kind of goes with everything, um, and like the unabated line i don't know if you know that like with rufus and captain jack the new site that they launched they have like a blended line with uh it's no vig so they took all the big out uh that's also good if you're beating that closing line then you're making money long term essentially yeah no it's great it's great information and uh yeah another unabated i haven't talked too much about that on this podcast but um yeah certainly another tool for guys like yourself to to be using um, one of the last questions I got for you guys, if, you, if you're not beating the, the closing line, what's, what's the first thing you're going to do, Mitch? Is it, is it, do you think it's because, like the, you, you mentioned earlier, that the market's changing, you know, all the time. So, you know, a particular bookmaker move 
might mean that the the rest of the market's going to move, but then there's going to come a point in time where that might not be the case anymore. So if you're not beating the closing line, what measures are you taking to 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 make sure that that doesn't continue to happen? Do you like completely leave the sport or league or whatever, or are you figuring trying to figure out why you're not beating the closing line? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, and honest, so like just to start, there's sometimes some in some cases we beat the closing line consistently on some sports and it still just doesn't seem like it's enough. Like we put it through like a large sample and we're still just like, what's going on here? So sometimes we'll step away from a like a sport for a bit and just be like, just evaluate and just say, okay, what's happening. Um, but if we're not beating the closing line, like for, even for right now, for example, like some markets are moving early in the morning and you know, I've been biting on some, some moves just to find out that it's getting smashed the other way. Right. So then it's like, okay, I might tread a bit lighter when I see that first original move and then, you know, take more action in the secondary move. So sometimes it's just kind of seeing what's happening, seeing, okay, this is doing this and what, like, why is it doing that? Um, But yeah, if we're not beating the closing line, usually we'll look into it. But yeah, the most recent example I can think of is just some of these preseasons right now, like for NBA and for NHL, for example, you know, they're not taking a lot in the mornings, but I remember last year, last season, it seemed to be pretty one-sided. Like, <clears throat> for example, the NHL preseason, the sides, they would just steam like pretty much all one way and there would be almost no resistance. This year, I'm finding a lot more resistance. Like it's going one way and then it's getting bought back like hard. Um, <clears throat> so in that case, I would just maybe kind of not bite as hard on the first move and just kind of take into account more the second move if that ends up being the right side um, and just kind of evaluating. We do kind of like we're always kind of looking to see um, are we beating this consistently? Are we not beating this consistently? And then kind of going going over it. And if there's something that I see that, you know, might help tires like, okay, Circa's moving at this time on this sport, but yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure what that means yet just because, you know, the preseason just started and then, you know, a week later we're seeing they're moving a certain way and then getting bought back hard. Um, so, yeah, we might just lay off a bit if we need to. Yeah. Oh, interesting yeah. stuff, guys. I think that's, uh, yeah, really illuminating for the for the listeners to, to hear that, you know, what you guys actually do if you're not beating the closing line because, you know, there are going to be bets that, don't beat the closing line for everyone and it's a it's always a good process so good to hear the process of you know what you guys are doing to fix those errors um i've got one more question for you guys and i guess it's a good one for both of you to answer we can start with you tyrus um for someone wanting to become a pro would you this is like their first even if it's not a pro maybe their first ever time sports betting it's their you know first ever day going to place a bet um what would you recommend your approach over modeling or, or just in general, like if, if yeah, someone's starting or someone's becoming pro, maybe you have a different answer for each kind of question there, but what approach would you recommend doing a top-down approach or a bottom-up approach? Yeah, I mean, so obviously we're going to be biased because we make money with the top-down approach, right? Um, but if somebody... You know, I'm not a, a Harvard student in math and and data science and all this. So if somebody's like that and they enjoy making models and and back testing and and whatever else, then maybe yeah, maybe modeling's for them. But just in general, if it's somebody that you know wants to, they don't care about the teams or the stats or anything like that. They just want to make money, which is pretty rare. You know, a lot everybody's just a fan is how it usually starts out. Um, yeah, I would I would definitely recommend the top-down approach. Um, there's tons and tons of books out there and, and podcasts, especially like, you know, Spanky's podcast was really the turning, the turning point in my career uh, that kind of opened my eyes on closing line value. And the books as well, like, you know, whatever. There's a bunch of them. If you kind of, 
read some of those and listen to some podcasts and get a good grasp of, of either side, then maybe you can, you can get a good feeling of, of what's right for you. But in general, yeah, I would say the top-down approach, just because you're looking at everything, you know, you're crowdsourcing information from every single market, every single market maker, every single originator who's hitting the screen, you're seeing it, you know, and if you have the connections and the networking to be able to, to know even more than that, to know who's betting what that's not on screen, because there's a lot that goes on whatever in Asia and, and places like that, that's not on Don Best, then that's even, even more powerful. So yeah, in general, I would say the top down approach is, is definitely more lucrative for us, especially, but uh, it's, if you're not passionate about it, no matter what it is, you're not going to be successful. So yeah, yeah, it's really just a uh, personal preference, but for us, definitely top down. And for you, Mitch? Yeah, for me, I would say, like I said earlier, I kind of started with building some models and whatnot in Google Sheets. Um, if you don't have a data science background, it's going to be pretty tough to beat a major market, I would say, as far when it comes to modeling. Just with the top-down approach, it really gives people a sense of, you know, this is how a market works. Like, And at the end of the day, like it... I don't want to say it's easier, but like I was saying earlier as well, like models, things change, right? Like what if your model suddenly doesn't work and like you build, you can build one model for one sport. Well, that's just one sport. Um, kind of with the top down approach, you're kind of looking over every sport and yeah, it might be more hours in front of the screen, but like Tyrus was saying, how many times are you going to have to update your model as well? Right. So I don't know. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of torn. If someone is very into numbers and very anal analytically driven, then maybe modeling is right for them. Um, but for us, you know, we've seen how powerful this top-down approach can be. And um, I think we both enjoy it. And we like the people that we work with. And we'd rather find the, the talented modelers and kind of work with them, right? And kind of just help each other out, help each other get down, um, things like that. But it does, at the same time, it doesn't hurt just to kind of mess around in Google Sheets, try to build a couple models for yourself, kind of see it. I think because I think things like that just help you become a better sports better in general, right? Just understanding numbers, like looking at your model and being like, okay, I need to see what the true price is, like without vig and things like that, just kind of help you understand um, this game a bit better. So I would say people should just try try both and just kind of see what works for them. Yeah. Great answer, fellas. That's all I've got for you today. And, and just overall, thanks for coming on. It's been it's been fun talking to some younger guys in the business, closer to my age at least. And normally, everyone on here is uh, is you know over thirty, over forty years old. So it's, it's been it's been great having some younger guys on. And and I think you'll. And the good thing about that is I think you can inspire you know the younger generation who listen to the podcast or you know follow our YouTube channel um, and inspire them to, to give it a crack. You don't have to be a certain age to, to do really anything. So, um, yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on, fellas. Maybe you want to mention uh, where, where people can get in touch with you if they want to potentially work with you or maybe they just want to ask you a question. Do you guys have yeah, Twitter handles, emails, anything you want to put out there? Yeah, for sure. Thanks again for having us. And, yeah, my Twitter is Dobbs, D-O-B-S-M-T. And even on Instagram, honestly, if someone wants to reach out, it's just Mitch at Mitch Dobney. They can shoot me a DM. Like, I'm just a normal dude. I'm down to talk sports pretty much whenever. So, You don't yeah. want any pictures, mate? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you don't want anyone sending you pictures in your DMs and on your Instagram? Uh, well, hopefully we don't need none of that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, your, your Twitter? Yeah, uh, mine is just uh, MT underscore Finchy, F-I-N-C-H-Y. And uh, yeah, my, uh, my Instagram is just Tyrus, uh, Tyrus Finch. So anybody wants to reach out and, and uh, even if they think they have something that is uh, special and, and maybe they've built a model that's winning and they just don't have the bankroll to get down, and and really take full advantage we're more than happy to give anybody a shot you know that's how we started is people giving us a shot so 
if that's if that's one thing we learned, uh, never say, never just uh, blatantly say no to to everybody, and and uh, don't be too closed off. I would say. Yeah. Awesome stuff, fellas. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Please make sure you do a quick rate and review of the podcast and subscribe to us on YouTube uh, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. And, um, yeah, if you're looking to implement maybe some of the strategies we talked about today or or, uh, or weekly on the podcast, um, start a free free week trial of TradeMate Sports. Thanks again, fellas, once again, and uh, I'll have to talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex.